Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Coming to you live right here from our offices in sunny Central Florida. Good to have everyone here with us today. If you are joining us for the very first time, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies, which is a ministry of Raven Ministries International. Raven Ministries International is a ministry designed to really equip the saints for the ministry and to win the lost to the Lord Jesus Christ and disciple them to do the same thing. If you want more information about Raven Ministries, you can actually go to our website at www.biggrace.com, www.big. R-A-C-E dot com and get more information on the ministry of Raven Ministries International. We are here typically Monday through Friday from uh, 9 a.m. until 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for an expository teaching in the book of, uh, the, in the Word of God. We're currently in a study of the book of Romans and I believe today is our 194th 194th class on the book of Romans. If you've not been with us in the past, never fear, because we have made these available free of charge through our website by going to biggrace.com and clicking on Raven Institute. There's a player embedded in the screen that looks like a little electronic iPod right there. You can actually go in and download those to your MP3 player, your iPod, uh, burn those onto a compact disc, however you want to handle it, uh, absolutely free of charge. So they are there, and we encourage you to go get those. There's no copyright on those. Take them, burn them, use them however you can um, in relationship to your uh, study in the Word of God. But we're so glad uh, that you're here today. If you have any questions for us, you can actually send those questions to raven at biggrace.com. Raven at biggrace.com. We'd love to answer any questions you might have, not only about our teaching in the book of Romans, but uh, anything else that you a question you might have uh, from the Word of God that we could help you to find an answer to it. We don't pretend to know all the answers, but we know who does, and that is the, the, the Spirit of God who is able to lead and guide us into all truth. And so we don't mind helping you look and to study those things out and to search the Scripture to see if those things be so. We are in a relentless pursuit of the truth. And so that's where we stand, not based upon our experiences, not based upon our culture, not based upon our denomination or our background, but we are in a relentless pursuit of the truth that is revealed to us through the Word of God. We believe in digging into this Word of God, studying to show ourselves approved unto God, and that way we're not workmen who need to be ashamed because we're rightly dividing the Word of Truth. And so we encourage you to come and to be a part of this on a daily basis, Monday through Friday, as we study in the Word of God. And notice I'm here by myself today, except for Deb. Deb's always here in the control room. Uh, Brother Scott is uh, out of town. He's, you know, he's with me typically here in the last few weeks, and so he'll probably be back sometime this week as we continue in our study in the book of Romans. Good to have all of you here today if you are joining us for the first time. Good, good to have uh, everyone. Good to have uh, Diana there yeah. with us today. Good to have you, sis. It was good being with you guys uh, there in New York City this past week. You guys are such a tremendous blessing. So we love you guys, and let's go to the Lord in prayer and just ask for His blessing and direction on uh, this morning's teaching. And as we pray for the sick, that God will touch and heal uh, those that have been struggling. And continue to pray for Brother Leo. We're going to be lifting him up in prayer. And I'm just believing God for miracles. You know, he is uh, just the fact that he's where he's at is a miracle. Just the fact that we were able to snatch this young man who had been bound by heroin off the streets uh, is a miracle. Just the fact that he vanished on Saturday night and we got reconnected with him on Sunday is a miracle. So, folks, listen, we, we serve a God that can do everything but fail. And I'm believing the one that is able to withhold us, uphold us, is able to uphold Leo as well. So let's lift him up in prayer today as we go before the Lord. Father, we just thank you for this day because this is your day. Lord God, this isn't our day, Lord God, and we just pencil you into our agenda. Lord God, but as believers of the Lord Jesus Christ and followers and servants of righteousness, Lord God, this is your day. And we just come today and we submit ourselves unto you. Father, we don't want any agenda beyond, Lord God, your directive for our life. And Father, we come today to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Lord God, knowing that we do so, all these other things will be added unto us. So Father, come and fill us, Lord God. With understanding, Lord God, come and search our hearts, Lord God, if there be any wicked way within us, Lord God, if there be any, anything within us, Lord God, that we've not confessed or repented of, Lord God, we don't want that in our life, Lord God, whatever it may be, if it just seems, Lord God, the, uh, the most benign thing, we do not want those things, Lord God, in our life, Lord God, taking up any space, Lord God, that's been reserved for the righteousness of Christ Jesus. And so, Father, we just come with a heart of humility and repentance and just ask, Lord God, for you just to search us, Lord God, to show us if there be any wicked way, whatever there is, Lord God, we want to to come and bring those things to you, Lord God, that we might be purged uh, of anything that would be contrary to your presence in our life. And we thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, when we're faithful to confess our sins, that you are faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us 
from all unrighteousness, Lord God. So we just come to you, Lord God, totally and completely dependent upon Jesus, totally looking, Lord God, to Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith today. And Father, we pray for those that have been sick in body, Lord God, those that have been battling, Lord God, through through diseases, Lord God, or, or injury. And we're asking in the name of Jesus, Lord God, just for you to begin to touch them today. Lord God, we ask for healing. We serve a healing Jesus. And Father, I thank you, Lord God, that the provision for healing was made available for us on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. When they pierced the hands of Jesus, when that blood flowed, Lord God, when they pressed that crown down upon His head, Lord God, when they, 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 they laid the, 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 the whip, Lord God, uh, across His back, and it tore his flesh, Lord God. Father, for every strike and every blow and every drop of blood, Lord God. Father, healing, Lord God, was, 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 was made available to us, Lord God, as we sit here today. That he is the word that was, that was sent to heal us and to re- restore us, Lord God. So today, we stand in faith, Lord God, in what Jesus has done. Lord God, that he is the healer, Lord God. He is the restorer, Lord God, of, of the broken down places, Lord God. He is the deliverer, Lord God. He is our glory and our, the lifter of our head. So, Father, whether it be a, a physical malady, Lord God, like... Uh, a disease, Lord God, a cancer, whether it be some type of crippling ailment, Lord God, whether it be a, a chemical imbalance, Lord God, Father, whether it be the, the effects of, of something that has happened to someone in the past, Lord God, Lord God, whether it be an addiction, Lord God, that's been a rot in their life, Lord God, through, through sin. Father, we believe that the power of the blood of Jesus is still enough, Lord God, that you're still setting free the drug addict, Lord God, that you're still restoring the adultery, Lord God, that you're still, Lord God, bringing to life, Lord God, the, the, the greedy, Lord God, and the destitute, Lord God, you're still, Lord God, healing the, the, the venomous tongue of the gossip, Lord God. Father, you are still in that business today. And we're asking in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you would show yourself strong, Lord God, on our behalf as we seek your face, Lord God. You said if we seek you, Lord God, that we'll find you, Lord God. You said if we knock, if, if we knock Lord God, the door will be open. And we're asking right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God, for healing, for restoration, Lord God. We specifically pray, Lord God, for, for Leo, Lord God. And we stand in the gap with this young man, Lord God, as we have made that commitment. And we're believing, Lord God, that he's not just going to push through one more day, but he's going to push through another day, and he's going to push through another day, Lord God. And Father, this is going to be the victory that overcomes, Lord God, even his faith. And Father, I pray that he'll be around people, Lord God, that'll build up his faith, Lord God. They'll pour that word into him, Lord God. They'll speak words of life in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that drive out, Lord God, the contempt and the the destruction of the adversary, Lord God. Touch him, Lord God, and others that are praying for their children, Lord God. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. And we're asking right now, in Jesus' name, Lord God. Father, for tangible manifest miracles, Lord God, of life transformed, Lord God, by the blood of Jesus to begin taking place, Lord God, in our, in our homes and in our families, Lord God. Whether it be a child, whether it be a spouse, whether it be another close relative, Lord God, we pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, for spiritual breakthrough, Lord God, and, and miracles, Lord God, today. And everybody said, Amen. Amen, Amen, and Amen. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Amen. He said, be it according to your faith. Amen. And where we get faith is right here. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So hopefully we can, we can dole you out and dish you out a little bit more faith. That way you can couple it with what you got and that Word uh, will strengthen and encourage you to believe the things that God has said in His Word. So folks, here we are. We're continuing right here in the 15th chapter. We actually may even get through the, the, the entirety of the 15th chapter today. Uh, uh, and be able to dive into the 16th and final chapter tomorrow, which I know you're going to be sad when this all comes to an end on the book of Romans. But don't forget, we're going to be looking at uh, starting a study in the book of Revelation this coming fall. And so uh, looking forward to uh, getting into that teaching on the Revelation uh, after we f- uh, finish up the, the study in Romans. But folks, you know, I think about it. Paul, the apostle, is just an amazing guy. You know, he, he really was. I, I look at his life and I just look what he, what he came out of. Most of you guys know, you know, Saul of Tarsus was, uh, you know, he, he had the religious credentials. But, I mean, you talk about just a guy that was just mean. I mean, uh, especially in relationship to, uh, obviously, Christianity. A uh, guy that um, was, was present there and was really the, the, the ringleader when, when, uh, when Stephen was, was stoned by the mob. And uh, just a, a persecutor of Christians. But, man, when this guy got it, he got it, you know. He, he was the, 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 the present day just a person you did not want to have to witness to on the street. I mean, the guy that knew all the arguments, the guy that had the battle, the guy that would just make life rough on you. But, man, when this guy got changed and transformed, you talk about a guy that would not back away, would not back down, would not back up. I mean, this was somebody that, that not only talked about it, but he demonstrated it in everything that he did. And so it's just amazing to me. And, you know, we, we talked a lot about his kind of approach to ministry yesterday. We talked about it uh, this past week uh, as we've studied. 
and, and that, that the example that, that he said is, is a man of God, and that it set an example for us to follow. And you know, I, I look at his life and ministry, and I would say, you know what? I, I see this person, is, this person that was, that was flesh and blood just like I am. You know, I look at the ministry of Jesus, and you know, he's our, he's our, our, our way maker, he's our source, he's our, our, uh, the, the example that we're to follow. And, but we think sometimes, well, that's Jesus. You know, this is the, the incarnation of the Son of God. But we can also see those same characteristics in someone like Paul the Apostle who said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so we can see that it's not something that's so far out there and unattainable. But there is a walk of righteousness that's made available to the, to the believer who would just merely just call upon the name of the Lord and believe what the Word says. And so, but what, you know, what impresses me the most about Paul is that, you know, he, he was not an individual moved by his circumstances whatsoever. That he was about as steady as they come. And so, you know, obviously the, you see the great teachings and the great revelations and the great experience that he had. You know, here, here's a man that, was, that, that saw bona fide miracles happen. Here, here's a person that, that obviously spoke the Word of God with truth. And, and I think about some of the great ser, uh, sermons that he preached. And here he was standing before King Agrippa just bringing forth the Word and just the, the knowledge. And he, he was such an intelligent individual. But, and all those things are great. But what I appreciate so much about him is just that he was just steady. I mean, here's a guy that was not moved by, by what was going on around him. He had set his face like a flint to pursue after the things of God. And, and, and I continued really myself to think about verse 24 after yesterday's class. And I, I want to read it again as we kind of press into these next few verses. He said, you know, when, whenever I take my journey into Spain, he said, I will come to you. He said, for I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way uh, there by you. If first, if, uh, if first I be somewhat uh, filled with your company. And I guess the reason that I'm so impressed with him is that, you know, he, he practiced what he preached. He wasn't somebody that just talked a good game and, you know, uh, had some great suggestions. And so when he says to the church at Philippi, he says, you know what, you need to forget those things that are behind and press forward. You know what, he really meant it. He was a person that regardless of if the things that were behind him were good, bad, indifferent, he, he knew that he, that, that he saw nothing uh, back there uh, that, that was worth holding on to. And so... Everything in his life, regardless of what it was, was for the simple purpose that he might win Christ. And you know, he, he loved to pray that he might win Christ. He, he, he loved to worship that he might win Christ. He, he, he loved to preach the Word that he might win Christ. He loved to teach that he can win Christ. He loved to go out and evangelize, obviously, uh, but it was for the purpose that he might win Christ. He, he, he even loved to go through trials that he might uh, win Christ. Folks, you know what? We, we forget that sometimes. We think that the doing of these things should be our goal. Our goal should always be to win Christ, the ultimate thing. And so whether I'm praying, whether I'm teaching, whether I'm reading the Word, whether I'm evangelizing, whether I'm worshiping, all these things I, I know I love to do, and, and most of you probably love to do the exact same things. But in doing those things, what is the purpose of that? The purpose and the goal is the reason I love those things is that I might win Christ. And so really you've got to ask yourself, the question. Some of you might say, well, I love teaching children. Why do you love teaching children? Well, because I get fulfillment. Well, if you love to teach children, you need to love to teach children that you might win Christ. Well, really, I'm an intercessor. I love to pray. Well, why do you love to pray? Well, just because I love what happens. Well, you need to learn to love to pray because that you might win Christ. Well, I really got a worship ministry. I love to worship. Well, why do you love to worship that I might win Christ? Well, I love to go out and evangelize on the streets of New York or preach the gospel. Why do you like to do that? That I might win Christ. See, folks, it's so easy. All those things are great and noble. But if we forget what the ultimate goal is, and that's that I might win Christ. Because, folks, listen, whatever I put my hand to, whether it's prayer, and, and I hope this don't mess you up too much, whether it's reading the Word or teaching the Word, whatever it might be, or going out and hitting the streets, if, if any of those things take the place of my desire that I might win Christ, that I might be found faithful in Him, that I might know Him and be intimate with Him, now, those things have, have, have become something contrary, really, to a relationship with Him. Our goal has always got to be that I might win Christ, that I'm in a relentless pursuit of Jesus. And if doing those things uh, help me to attain that place, praise God for it. But if any time, if, if there's anything, regardless of how good it looks or how religious it looks or how, how noble it looks, that stands in my way of my relationship with, with the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Listen, I want to abandon those things. Or I at least want to put those things in their, in their proper perspective. Folks, listen, none of those things will ever gain you favor. If I just do those things thinking that if I do enough of those, enough of preaching, enough of teaching, enough of evangelizing, enough of praying or worshiping, 
Folks, listen, that, that becomes another form of self-righteousness and filthy rags. What I want to do is I want to find myself pressing to that mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Pressing towards knowing Him, to be, be intimate with Him, to, to win Christ Jesus, to, to find myself identified with Him in, in, in His suffering, that I might be identified with Him in that resurrection. So really I want to encourage you to, to press into that. And His goal was neither to be or to do anything. Now think about that for a second. Paul wasn't striving to be anything. He wasn't saying to himself, you know what, I want to be this, this, this noteworthy apostle. He wasn't striving for that. He wasn't even striving to do anything. He wasn't saying, well, I want these accomplishments at the end of my life. He, he, his goal was to win Christ Jesus, to be found faithful in Him. And, and all those other things were just, were just means and mechanisms to get to that place. If He was or if He did anything along the way uh, uh, to that goal, then, then praise God for it. But His desire and destination are really summed up in, in really a couple of familiar passages. I want you to think about this for just a second. And, and I hope this is kind of putting some things in perspective, not only in the life of Paul the Apostle, but for, for yourself. But listen to what he said in Philippians chapter 1, verses 21-26. through 26. He said, For me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Now, this 22nd verse, I'm, and I'm going to read it again. So I want you to pay close attention to it in regards to Paul the Apostle and really this whole uh, uh, thing we're talking about in his approach to ministry in 15-24 of Romans. He said, If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. He said, I'm torn between the two. He said, I desire to, to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. But he said, it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. He said, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me, on account of my obedience. Folks, listen, this discourse here, and I know many of you have read this, it really gets me thinking about something he says in verse 22. Listen to what he says. He says in verse 21, For me to live is Christ to die is gain. He said, If I'm going to live in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. What shall I choose? Folks, did, you know, he's sitting here acting as though he had a choice. Now think about that just for a second. He said, What will I choose? Now let me ask you a question. Just kind of throw something out there to get you to ponder. Did Christ offer him the opportunity to cut short his ministry and go to heaven? There's a choice that was there. To live is Christ, but to die is gain. In other words, if I live, it's for your benefit, but you know, for me, it's far better. Did, did he have a chance, just like Enoch or Elijah had, men who walked with God in such a way that, that he took them? Now think about that for a second. What is my choice going to be? You know, I, I've never seen Paul make, say, make a statement like that before. You know, he was caught up into the third heaven and he commented on things that, that, that he saw that were unspeakable. Did he have a decision when he saw that whether to stay or, or whether to return for the work of the ministry? Think about that in regards to, to what he's saying there in, in Philippians uh, 1.22. You know, obviously we'll never know for sure until Jesus comes. But, but you know when I read things like that in conjunction with other passages, it certainly makes me wonder... In, in looking at the life of this individual that, that obviously uh, uh, laid his life down for other people in, in exact uh, reflection of what Jesus did. You know, but one thing we, we don't have to worry about is that this man really lived an altruistic life. You know, we talk about that all the time. Altruism, living your life for the benefit of other people. You know, he's saying right there in Philippians 1, 21-26, he said, listen, the reason I'm, I continue to go on is for you. It's not for me. He said, man, for me to go on to Christ is going to be far, much better for me. And he existed each day with other people in mind and really truly demonstrated a selflessness in the work that God had called him to do. And, you know, and did he go to Spain? And that's what we were talking about here in this 24th verse. You know, chances are no. Did he actually get to go to the churches in Rome? Well, no, because he was incarcerated in Rome. So those that he talked to had to come to him and he gave them instruction in the word of God. And so you see that type of life. And really, I, I say all that to underscore, you know, the, the, the calling, maybe the desire God's put upon your heart. Are you willing to forego those things that, that, that others might be benefited? You know, I, I know in, in my life many times, I've had to make a decision, you know, something would be better for me personally or something would, would, would be more advantageous for me or something would be more pleasing to me. But I had to come to a place where I had to say, okay, what is the greater good? Because I, I know, folks, I'm in the book. You know, I, I know where I'm going. If I live another 50 years or if I live, live another 15 minutes, 
Listen, it, what, what God has promised me, I, I, I know what He has for me. I know that I'm in the book and, and one day I'm going to stand before Him and, 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 because I have faith in Him. But there's others that, that don't. And so the, the, what I do now is not to, to get me a better position with God. I know He loves me. I, I know that He sees me as the apple of His eye. And you that walk with Him as well, it's, you're in the same situation. But, but what about those that struggle? What about those that don't have the benefit? Folks, listen, who are we living this life for? Or, or what about my brothers and sisters in Christ who aren't as strong in the faith? You know, do, do I need to, to sit here myself day in and day out, hour after hour and invest in this? I could sit here without this camera on, without this broadcast and do it myself and, and, and really have a great time before the Lord and, and jump and shout and not have to get in a hurry. And, and all, I could do that. But what benefit would that have anybody else? It would absolutely have any. And so what, what gift or what call or what thing has God put upon your hand that you are squandering upon yourself. And you're not saying, God, you've entrusted me with this, not for me, for my benefit, but you've given it to me to pour out into other people's lives and to, 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 to give them something more advantageous in their walk to the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyway, you know, I was thinking about that as I meditated upon, you know, this whole thing with Paul saying, you know what, I, I want to take a journey to Spain. I want to go. But you know what, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to, I'm going to preach and I'm going to do what God's told me to do in conjunction with what's, what will I choose. And my question is for you today, what are you going to choose? Are you going to choose what benefits you or are you going to choose what benefits the body? Is what Paul the Apostle said. Listen, he said, it's more necessary for you that I remain in that in the body. And folks, listen, there is our, our benefit. Our benefit is to other people. And so let's go on to Romans 15.25. Chew on that just a little while and, and hopefully you can, uh, you can get something out of that as well. And really think about Paul the Apostle and his ministry and what, what he gave up personally, that, that others might gain on a, on a more spiritual context. And so here's what he said. He said, in verse 25, he said, But now I go into Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. And he really just carries that same heart and that same flavor over. You know, I mentioned yesterday that this 25th verse is played out in Acts chapters 20 and 21. I hope you, you got to look at those things. And Paul's speaking of, of taking things which were... And here's really what he's talking about. You know, if you read 20 and 21 in the book of Acts... What he was talking about here is, is there was a lot of contributions that were given by Gentile saints uh, in order for him to take to the poor uh, saints that were in Jerusalem. And you'll see, again, you can write this down, the account of Paul received an offering for them in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And so you can put you a little note by Romans 15.25 that you'll see the fullness of those things in, in really vivid detail in Acts chapter 20 and 21 and 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. And, uh, and I really encourage you to take a, take, a, take a look at those when you get a chance, maybe after the class today. Open and look at those four chapters and it really is going to give you some clarification and understanding of what he was talking about. So Paul was there uh, telling, listen, I've got to go and minister to the saints. I've got to go because there's some things that God has placed in my hands. You know, I remember... We were living there in New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina. Myself and, and Pastor Alex and Holly and, and uh, Pastor Thomas and Dory, Pastor Todd and Christy, Pastor Don Spirit, several of us. And you know, people would come or they would send uh, things to minister to the saints. And, and literally, people would send thousands of pounds of clothes and shoes and, and food. And they would send to us uh, thousands of dollars to distribute, to minister to the saints and to minister to the people. And so really we took that as a challenge. And we would we would work from 6 a.m. until midnight every single day going and ministering unto the saints, not that Jerusalem, but the saints that were in, in, in Bogalusa and in Covington and in, in New Orleans and in Metairie or wherever it was right there in the Gulf South. And, and God really put things in our hands to distribute. He laid those things at the apostles' feet for distribution. And man, we saw... Many things happened. We were some of the first responders into to Bogalusa, which was already a poor country. It had a paper mill that was totally wiped out. Matter of fact, our, our good buddy, uh, 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 Brother Lenny, who I call Boogaloo, uh, heads up our ministry there in Bogalusa now. And, uh, in different ones. But we were taking and distributing those things. We would go into Slidell and took 25,000 pounds of, of clothing off the back of a semi and distribute it to people who, who had lost everything. And, and day after day, working with, with different ones, uh, men like uh, Lance Rao and, and Chris Mueller and, and, and others, and, and just pouring out things that people put into our hand. And, and we took it serious. And so we worked to distribute, uh, distribute those things to the saints. And that's really what Paul did uh, uh, to those that, that the Gentiles said, listen, we, we got some things that want to help those that are impoverished, that are uh, serving God in Jerusalem. And so then, then look at this in Romans fifteen twenty six. And, and man, I, once again, this kind of just brings you to the, to the whole heart of the matter. And it says, for it, 
it, it has pleased them of Macedonia and, and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. And folks, these two areas, this Macedonia and Achaia, are, are today they're known as modern Greece. And so if we got any Greek folk out there, you know, we got Lance Prath of Tekas, our head up uh, there in in in, uh, in Midwest, you know, he's he's from Greek origin. And so if you want to break it down a little bit further, Corinth and Athens were in that area called Achaia. And so Corinth and Athens were two Greek cities. Then uh, Thessalonica and Philippi were located in an area called Macedonia. And so those in those two areas were really concerned about what was happening in Jerusalem. So what they do? They took up offerings. They said, listen, we want to be a, a blessing to our, our brethren there. And so, you know what's really interesting to me, though? And really, I, I hope that we can learn something from this 26 verse, and especially this. Is the people of Macedonia, at this time, because of all the political unrest and things that were going on, these people were, were, were really poverty-stricken themselves. Yet, out of their need, what did they do? They gave to someone else. They were poverty-stricken. And, and they insisted. And what's interesting about this, and you're going to see it a little bit deeper here in a minute. They insisted on giving out of their need uh, to, to help the poor people that were in Jerusalem. And, and listen, I want you to listen to what, what Paul said concerning the hearts of these people. And you'll find it uh, actually tied together right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1-5. through 5, And I want to read these to you. And it says, Now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. And Paul, Paul brings some attention. He said, Listen, guys, I want to show you something that's going to be a blessing to you and it's going to really put things in perspective. He said, Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded for us for the privilege, listen to this, of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do it as we expected. In other words, they exceeded all of our expectations. But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. Now folks, think about that just for a second. Here we've got some people. It really just makes me want to kind of just weep because you see the heart of these folks. And it says, out of the most severest of trials, their overflowing joy... They, and they, they had an extreme poverty, but that was welled up in a rich generosity. In other words, they didn't say, you know what, man, as soon as we got it okay, then we're going to help you. It says they were in a place of extreme poverty. They were in a place of extreme need. They were in a place, place of personal destitution. But out of their destitution, they said, we're going to take what we have and be a blessing to someone else. Folks, sad to say, that's not the, the mentality of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is always ones that are wanting. You know, for me, it kind of gets on my nerves, you know, you know, Christians are always looking for the best deal. You know, can you give me something because I'm this? What, what about us? What about us being the, the, the ones that are givers? What about us being those? And, you know, especially in, in the pastoral ministry, and you've heard me talk about this many times, in, in churches, you know, it's, it's always, you know, it's, uh, the, the pastor will say it's always better to, to, to give to receive. Yeah, as long as the people are the ones giving and he's the one receiving. You know, what, where's that mentality come from? And it's always, you know, the whole prosperity message is, you know, and it's the only one getting prospered is the one preaching the message. The, the other people are just continuing to have to pour into that. Well, what about that person being the giver? You know, I want to see, I want to see the offering uh, taken up and it's the people in the pulpit that are given and, and they're telling as the plate passes the congregation, you take out what you need. Shouldn't it be more more akin to, to that type of deal? And so what we see is that type of heart and attitude with these Macedonian churches. Out of their extreme need, out of their extreme situation, they gave to someone else. And we know what you know what? I know God took care of them. Why? Because I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. God will meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. I know for Melly and I, for years and years and years in the ministry, you know, I, I had a, a good job worked in the, the banking and finance industry, and God called me out of that. Basically, he told me, he said, listen, I'll, I'll take care of you. He said, you give that up for what I've called you to do and I'll do it. And you know what, folks? He has. Uh, I, obviously, I'm not a wealthy individual by any stretch of the imagination. I have to believe God on a daily basis to, to meet my need. Give us this day our, our daily bread. I, I have to trust God and ask God for His supply every single day. But, but I've never been left. I've never been forsaken. God knows exactly what we need. Uh, maybe not everything we, we want, etc. But I tell you what, as we are faithful to do what God's told us to do, and we live our lives for the benefit of other people, what happens? We begin to see the fruit of our labor. And so we see that. that those, those people at, at, at Macedonia, they, they lived for someone else. They, they lived to be a benefit 
to other people. And that was their, their, their heart. And sad to say, folks, most Christians do not walk in that same type of mentality. That They would never give out of their need, but instead would always be the needy ones. That they, they would always see their situation as an excuse for a lack of generosity. And folks, unfortunately, uh, you know, there, there's too many believers who have a hard time releasing the things that God has entrusted to them because they're afraid if they do that they won't have enough for themselves. But, you know, praise God that I'm, I'm blessed. I know a lot of people that, that are totally the opposite of that. They give, and they give generously to help those that are in need. You're always seeing them ministering to the poor. You're always seeing them go out of their way to help somebody. They're always helping their friends. They're, they're always, even people they don't know. And, and unfortunately, I, I know people that are like that as well. That they're, they're always in And I think to myself, man, how can they do that? Why, why would they do that? It's because they have that heart. They have that, that heart of the Macedonians that are saying, you know what, listen... Even though I may lack, man, I tell you what, little is much when God's in it. And I'm willing to give gracefully and generously out of what God has entrusted me with because I know if I empty this hand, God's going to put something in this one. And folks, that's really where it's always got to be. It's got to be I receive on one side and I release on the other that I might receive on the other side. And so, you know, the, the reason I think that the saints found themselves in, in Jerusalem uh, uh after Pentecost, if you look at this, it says that he had to go to the poor sanctuary of Jerusalem. Why were they so poor in Jerusalem? Have you ever thought about that? What happened to them after Pentecost? Well, think about this. Here these people were of the Jewish faith. You know, that 3,000 that got saved that day were, were Jews. But suddenly, they accepted Jesus Christ. And it's not unlike, you know, we talk to people on the streets that come from from, from Islamic faith, people that come from even Hindu faith or whatever, and they'll tell you on the streets, and even people with, with quote-unquote cults like the Jehovah Witnesses, they'll say, listen, if we if receive what you're talking about, our family will never have anything to do with this again. Folks, that's exactly why he was making this point in, in, in Romans 15, 26, that certain, this contribution of the poor saints was, was Jerusalem. Listen, these people, once they came to, to, to Christ, they believed Him, they were excommunicated from their local synagogues, and so their circle of friends that they had, many times some of those people were their employers. Many times the, the houses they lived in, they, they, they paid to live there to these people that were Jews. And as soon as they became Christians, literally they became like the unclean. Nobody wanted to do anything. Their children could no longer go to the, the Jewish schools to be educated, so they had to look for other means. They would lose their jobs. They would lose their homes. And so they found themselves in a situation of abject poverty and really no way to get out. And so it demanded that others pick up the slack, even others that, that found themselves in similar situations uh, elsewhere. So immediately it placed the new Christians in that place of destitution and the offerings of, uh, from other people, regardless of how large or how small, uh, became of extreme uh, significance and importance unto them. And so we see that whole heart of the Macedonian and, and Achaia uh, peoples to, to be willing to give out of their need. And I encourage you, go back and read Acts 20 and 21 and uh, 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 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 and you'll see that whole situation played out in really vivid detail for that. And so verse 27 of Romans chapter 15 goes on and he says, It, uh, it has uh, pleased them verily and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty also is to minister to them in carnal things. Folks, really, this is such a, a extremely powerful message then, and it is today as well. And what it does, it, it shows that the Gentiles were so grateful that, to the role that the Jews played in bringing the gospel to the world. That's what he's saying. Listen, they realized that when, when, when God called Abram from Ur of the Chaldees and he, and, and he worked in these people's lives for years and years and years, he, he entrusted them with the law, he, he worked in them, brought them through these situations. These Gentiles were saying, listen guys, you went through things for hundreds of years that we might reap the benefits of that. You're the ones that, 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 that through much tribulation, through much trial, through much opposition, that you continued to be the ones that Christ Jesus could come on the scenes uh, uh, through that, that seed of David and when we're recipients of that. And so they were saying, listen, you, you did those things to us as that covenant people to, to bring the Savior. And so now what we want to do is we want to be generous back towards you because your faithfulness was generosity towards us. It's a small thing, they thought, uh, uh, in response to this uh, spiritual investment that you've made to us to, to sow into you of the natural things. And, and folks, listen, once again, that was really the, the continuation that was set with the pattern of the 12 tribes. Think about it. You had these 12 tribes and you had one, the, the Levites, who had the responsibility of the worship of the tabernacle and later on, obviously, in the temple. Now, they didn't receive an inheritance in the land. They didn't. They, didn't have the, they couldn't say, well, listen, we're going to go out and start a business and do this and that. 
They, they were responsible for the spiritual matters. But what happened? They received the, the, the tithe. They received the gift. They received the benefit off the other tribes. The other tribe says, listen, you guys, you work hard in what you're doing. And so your, your, your task is, is no less than ours or, or vice versa. And so we're going we're gonna to go out and do these things and you're going to reap the benefit of, 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 of that labor that you do in the word and deed. And so we saw that they, they, they benefited from the faithfulness uh, of the other people. And so the Gentiles saw the Jews really as a continuation of that. And they saw that their debt of gratitude could be paid through assisting in the natural things. It's just right there. Their duty also to minister in the carnal of the natural things. Listen, do you need food? We want to help you with your food. Do you need clothing? We're going to help you with your clothing. Do you need shelter? Listen, it's a small thing for us to be able to provide these, these things because of what you provided for us on the grand scale. And um, I want you to look how, how Paul carries this lesson out. And you'll see it in, once again, chapters 8 and 9 of 1 Corinthians. And you'll see, you'll see this as well. Check this out. Actually, this is 1 Corinthians. The other one I gave you was 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 11 through 18. Here's what Paul the Apostle says. He carries the same thought pattern out. And he says, If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? If others are partakers of this right over you, are, are we not even more? He said, Nevertheless, we've not even used this right, but we endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. He said, do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar? Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. But I have used none of these things, nor have I written these things that it should be done so to me. For it would be better for me to die than that anyone should take my, make my voice boasting void. In other words, he's saying, listen, if it's going to, he said, I would rather die than for somebody to think that I'm doing this for greed or somebody thinking I'm doing this for my personal benefit. And he says, for I, I preach the gospel and I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if it's against my will, I begin, uh, I've been entrusted with a stewardship. What is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. What Paul was saying is, listen, guys, are we entitled to the benefit of the, of the gospel? Absolutely. Should we be able to say, listen, you've, you've, you've reaped of us spiritual things, and so we should be able to benefit from you the natural things. Yeah, Paul was saying that's in the complete affirmative. That's a command. But he's saying, listen... If, if it causes a division, if it causes any type of problem, well, here's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that I'm not even, I'm not even going to take that ride. I'm not even going to utilize that. If it becomes an issue where people are saying you're just doing that for a salary or you're just doing that because you're benefiting, he said, I'm, let me show you. He said, woe to me unless I preach the gospel. He said, I'm going to preach it regardless if I get a nickel from anyone. unless I, If I get a love offering, if I don't get anything, I'm going to do it. Folks, how many ministers operate like that today? How many churches who... who who have a pastoral staff, if they went to their staff one day and said, you know what? Man, you know what? God is doing something incredible. God's bringing us to a whole level of faith. And so what we've decided to do is to allow the, the, the pastoral staff to function like they've asked us to function as a congregation. They've told us to live by faith. And so what we're going to say is praise God for you and we're going to allow you to live by faith. And we love your preaching, your ministry, and we want you to keep it up. But on Friday, don't expect to get a paycheck. How long would they continue in that? Deb said here in the studio, she said they'd be gone that day. But folks, shouldn't it be that way? Regardless of what it, what it is? But so many, and that's what Paul then said. He said, listen, my, 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 my desire, he said, in, in what I'm going to do, he said, I'll print the gospel, preach the gospel without charge. He said that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. Folks, I've had people in my life that have come to me, men of God, men of integrity, that have come to me and said, listen, they, they've heard of a need or whatever, and they said, I can't believe you had that need and you didn't call us. And you need to call us anytime you have a need and you, you won't have that need. And, and I've had to tell them, listen, guys, I won't do that. You know, uh, if the need's there, I'll, I'll let you know what it is. Uh, I, I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, it's, it's there, but I'm not going to call you up and say I need, I just can't do that. Because that would be an abuse of authority to, to be able to say, listen, hey, I need such and such and, and I, want you to, I want you to specifically do this. No, if there's a need there, hey, the need's a general need. And if somebody feels compelled to do something about it, praise God for them. Or if not, listen, that should never deter us from doing what God's told us to or going where God's told us to do or preaching the Word or feeding the hungry. What is our mentality? And it always has been. We do as much as we can with as much as we have. If God gives us more, we'll do more. But in the meantime, we're going to do exactly what we can do with what God's entrusted unto our hands. And you can't walk in that abuse. But I know too many, and I've seen it too many times, that, that people will begin to abuse that authority. 
authority. They'll begin to, to utilize that as a way of manipulation to get people to do things and to give that, that, that I don't believe is consistent with the Word of God. And so, uh, that's all I got to say on that issue because I believe that's what Paul was saying as well. And so we look at Romans chapter 15, verse 28. He says, When therefore I perform this and have sealed to them this fruit, I will come to you, uh, into Spain and, and come, come by you into Spain. And so what he was saying is, listen, I got a responsibility. I got to take all this stuff that was entrusted to me and to go be a blessing to these folks that were in Jerusalem. And he said, listen, as soon as I get this done, he said, I'm going to come uh, by you into Spain. In other words, listen, I, I got something I got to do. I'm going to carry out this duty. Then I want to go and I want to minister to those saints that, that were in Spain. I want to go and, and, and invest in your life just like I've invested in other places. And, and folks, again, there's never any proof or there's never any indication that his desire was fulfilled. He had that heart's desire, but chances are because of what happened in Jerusalem and he eventually lost his life, that he never got to go there. And so do we see that as a failure? No, we see that. Listen, he had a, a heart, he had a desire to do something and, and never got to see the fulfillment of it. But he could still say, you know, listen, I've, I've run the race, I've finished my course, I've fought the good fight, now I'm ready to be offered, is what he, what he said to, 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 when he wrote in Second Timothy. And so, folks, listen, there's, there's heart's desires that you may never see. But the thing about it is, is we're still pressing. His, his desire was to win Christ. It wasn't to win Spain. You hear what I'm saying? He wanted to go and touch Spain and impact them like he did those in Macedonia. But his ultimate goal was to win Christ. And if he could fulfill that in the, in the meantime, praise God for it. If not, you know what? He was pressing towards being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you look in verse uh, 29. He says, And I'm sure that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's what Paul was asserting right here. In, uh, and he gives it to us in Acts 23.11. He says, I'm sure that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. And so you'll see that in Acts 23.11 and where, it was, where this is coming from. And he said, The night following the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified of me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness also in Rome. And so what that was saying in verse 29 is that, you know, Paul had a desire to do certain things. And, and, but this was one thing that God has specifically told him to do. His desire was to go to Spain, but God told him to go to Rome. Do you see that real quick? He wanted to go to Spain, but he said God spoke to him and bore witness that he should also go to, to Rome. And folks, listen, that's not unlike our lives. You know, God is not responsible to act in accordance to our will. We're responsible to act according to his will. Do I need to say that again? Here's what happens a lot of times. is We have a will and we want God's will to line up with our will. Rather than wanting our will to line up with God's will. And so we say, well, God, this is the way I want it to happen. This is what I want you to do. And you know what? And so what I'm going to do is I'll be obedient as long as you're doing what I, I want you to do uh, uh, and perform for me. Folks, we can't do that. You know, there's a lot of things that I would want to do that aren't bad things, that are good things, that are noble things that I want to do. I can't specifically say to behold, thus saith the Lord whatsoever. Now, would they be a benefit? Would they be, uh, would probably people get saved? Absolutely. But are there things that God specifically, I can say He's given me a mandate for? I really can't say that. But there are specific things that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has said. And what do I try to strive to? I try to say, God, okay, I'm going to do everything that you told me to do and, and that you commissioned me to do, that you've commanded me to do. And in the process, if I get to do some of those things that I want to do, hallelujah for it. If not, I want to win Christ. I want to be faithful to those things. And folks, especially for you guys in the ministry, I know there's a lot of things sometimes that, that, that we, we have an inclination towards or we have a desire or we'd like to see or we'd like to do or we'd like to participate in or whatever else. And, and those things are all fine and good. As long as those things don't move you out of the will of God into your own self-will. And once again, that self-will doesn't have to be into immorality. It doesn't have to be into something that, is, uh, uh, that seems destructive or something that is contrary to the, to, the, to the gospel. But it is contrary to what God has spoken to you at a particular time. You know, uh, Melly and I, here we were pastoring the church in Texas for 13 and a half years, poured our life into it, and uh, uh, were there and doing some, uh, uh, many things, and God was blessing and, and you know, for all intents and purposes, man, we were seeing those things. Man, we had a couple of buildings paid for and we were uh, feeding the hungry and taking teams here and there. But when God said it's time to do something else, now I could have said, you know what? I, I could have ignored the voice of God and said, you know what, man, we're, we're busy here. And, we're, and you know what? No one would have ever thought any ill of me whatsoever. They said, man, this, this guy is just continuing to press and to do and to pastor. Now, I could have done that. Could have done that. 
but I would have been outside the will of God. I would have still been preaching the gospel. Chances are I would have still been hitting the streets. I would have still been uh, feeding the hungry. I would have still been praising the Lord. But I would have been out of the will of God. Because when God spoke to Melly and I, and He said, okay, I want you to leave all that behind and I want you to go to New Orleans. Because i got some things that I want you to do there. That was the directive that God put for us. And so anything that we did that was contrary to that directive would have put me at odds. It would have put me in rebellion against God. Now, to the natural man, it wouldn't have looked rebellion. It would have looked like righteousness. It would have looked like just being steadfast. People said, hallelujah, amen. He's continued to press into those things. But I knew specifically the directive that God had put before me. And until I was willing to go and fulfill that directive, anything else I, I did would be tainted by my own self-will. And so, and when we see this, folks... And what really what we see through this epistle to the Romans and really the subsequent ministry is that the fullness of the message of gospel went to the far reach of the earth. Why? Because Paul was obedient to just do what God told him to do. And today we're sitting here, we're the recipients of this message because we have been willing to, to do what God told us to do. So let's look at verse 30. He said, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers uh, to God for me. And so what was he saying? Listen, folks. It's the love of the Spirit. And so what was his goal? Once again, that he might win Christ. And he said, listen, everything that I do is for the Lord's sake. I'm not doing it for my sake. I'm not doing it for filthy lucre. I'm obviously not doing it for greed. I'm not, I'm not doing it to attain something, to have an easy life, because he obviously didn't have that. He said, everything that I do is for Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit. And he said, I want to be pleasing unto the Spirit. And folks, we talked about the fear of God here so many times, that they preached on the, on the day of Pentecost in fear. Now, what is that fear? Fear is the, that moral dread of being displeasing unto God. You know what? how I could also call it? The fear of God? The love of the Spirit. The love of the Spirit really sums up what it means to fear God. If I, if I love the Spirit more than I love myself, if I love the Spirit uh, more than I love my own agenda or my own plans, what's going to happen? I'm going to walk in the fear of God. And I'm going to tiptoe. and I'm going to be very meticulous in, in everything that I do in relationship to being obedient to what God has directed me to do. And he says that we strive, that you strive together with me in your prayers uh, uh, to God for me. And so Paul was not saying, listen, I'm not an island to myself. Listen, I'm part of this body. And so my decisions, I want you to strive together with me. And he, he wasn't saying, listen, he said, I want you to pray for me. Pray that I would keep my, my, myself intact, that I would, I would remain on that straight way. I would remain with my face set like that flint, that I would continue to press uh, towards that mark that I might win Christ, that I would be in that place. Uh, and, and he said, listen, stand with me in that, because I know that there's all these other distractions, these, these things. I remember, as a matter of fact, when Melly and I got ready to leave Texas back in 2000, and I believe it was 2003, I was in a church service about to minister, and the lady came up and she said, Listen, the Lord has given me a word for you. And she said, Just judge it. And she said, The Lord is telling me, uh, telling me to tell you that He has called you to the battle. But there's going to be many skirmishes along the way that will, that will desire to distract you from the battle. And he says, and, and she said, Listen, remember, God's called you to the battle, not to the skirmish. And so at the time, I was like, oh, okay, that's, that sounds fine. That sounds great. You know, I've heard those things a million times. But later on, I began to see it. And, you know, many of you have heard those same things. And, and so later on, I saw, you know, God had given me a, a picture and a vision for what he had told me to do. But I found all these other things that seemed noble, that seemed good, that seemed important, that seemed valiant. And they were distractions. They were just little skirmishes that would pull me away for a minute and distract me from the battle. And so I've always had to kind of maintain, God, listen, there's a big, there's a big picture. There's a big battle. And, and we always have to focus on the big picture because these other things can taint that big picture. And so, folks, listen, you too have been called to the battle. You've not been called to the skirmish. We, we are in a war and we are in a fight. And, you know, it's, it, it, we, we can't go chasing this one lone soldier off into the wilderness when we realize that there's, a, there's a, 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 a battle right in front of us, that this one lone guy over here, all he is is just someone bringing confusion, man, we need to, we need to focus in on what God's calling us to do and focus in on, on the greater picture and the greater good on the will of God and on that directive that he has. And that's really what Paul was saying. And he said, pray with me that I won't get distracted. Pray with me that I'm going to be kind to, to, to have that love of the Spirit and I'm going to continue to do what God's told me to do. That I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea and that, the, and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints. And, and folks, this is interesting too, how he brings this up in this context. You know, he's talking about, you know, let me be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted the saints. Here he is bringing all this offering from the Gentile believers to the Jewish believers. Now, because of who Paul was and his background, 
And because of the, how there was kind of inherent thoughts and the feelings that the, the Jews had towards the, the Gentiles, he knew that when he was going in, that they, they may not receive it in the right heart. That even though it was good, even though that they needed it, they might look at it as a, a bribe. They might look at it as, as, as something that, that he was trying to trick them. And so Paul was saying, listen, I want to go. Now, how many times have you went to someone and you apologized to them and it blew up in your face? Anybody ever done that? You were sincere. And, and they turned the tables on you. And so that's what Paul was saying. He says, guys, you've got to pray for me. Stand with me. He said, I know God's told me to do this. And he said, but, but I want them to go that, that, that because there's people that aren't going to believe where this is coming from. They're not going to believe your generosity. They're going to think that there's, there's, there's some ulterior motive to it. And he said, listen, please, please pray that those in Jerusalem, uh, it might be accepted of them. And we think to ourselves, and if you read over that, you may even actually miss what he was talking about there. But that's what he's saying. He said, listen, I'm taking them something, but don't just think that they're going to just receive it. Man, they've got to receive it in the right heart. They, they, I don't want them to think, well, who are these Gentiles? They're, they're looking down their nose at us. They're giving us our, their junk and they're giving us their scraps. No, they're giving them what they had. They're giving it out of their need to you because they had a desire to be a blessing to you just as the Jewish people had been a blessing to them. That I may come unto you, in verse 32, with joy by the will of God and may be with you refreshed. And so, and, and that's so powerful. You know, Paul the Apostle, you know, he, he was basically telling us that, listen, i got a lot of friends in Rome. He said, I know that the will of God, we, we saw that right here in, in Acts 23.11. God told him, he said, listen, the will of God is for me to be at Rome. And he said, in going there, I know I'm going to be refreshed. Because he had people, you know, think about some of you guys, and I've heard you say it, that are, that are part of this ministry. You know, you go to places and you're around the body of Christ in places like New York or we're in New Orleans. Isn't it refreshing? It's hard. It's work. You know, in New York, I, I tell you what, my legs had never been so sore in all of my life, but I was refreshed. I, I wanted to run those 88 stairs every time I got a chance. Why? Because I knew at the top of the stairs, man, there was a brother in the Lord that was waiting there that I could talk to. I wanted to, to run all the way down because I knew that there was a, a brother or sister in the Lord down at the bottom of those steps. And folks, you, you, even though in the battle, even though you're that sometimes in the will of God, it's, it's tough on you, there's a refreshing that comes from just being with the body of Christ. I love those times. Man, I love being out in, in the battlefield. But man, when I can just come and get a refreshing, if I can sit down with my brothers and sisters, some of like my, my brothers from Fairfield or my, my, my brothers from New Orleans or whatever, and get to be here, or just here locally, if we get to, when we get to come together in times like this or on Sundays when we come together after being out on the streets on, on a Friday or Saturday night and just getting to worship together, and being, that's refreshing, you know? And, and, and that's what Paul the Apostle was saying. Listen, it's my joy that I can come to you and I can be refreshed because... Listen, what I'm doing before I'm going, and I'm having to settle some some battles and some and some 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 very tedious situations. But listen, man, I'm being re- refreshed to you. And, and he closes out in verse 33, and he says, "Now the God of peace be with you uh, all forever, Amen." And then, folks, that wraps up our our uh, fifteenth uh, chapter of the book of Romans. A great, great chapter. If you just look at it, especially. Uh, we that are in ministry, it really shows you just the, how the heart of ministry should function and operate. That it's for other people. It's not for us. That there's things certainly we could do and get accolades and, and get the attaboys. But at the end of the day, it's got to be, or listen, I'm, I want to go and do what God's told me to do. That I might win Christ. Folks, love you today. We are out of time, but we will be back tomorrow. And we're going to be uh, diving into this final, the 16th chapter, the final 27 verses of our, our study in the book of Romans. And it's been good. And so, folks, love you so much. i got one bit of advice for you today. Get into God's Word, and God's Word will get into you.